0: Welcome to the Strength of Mind podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Ellis, and today we're joined by a good friend of mine and someone who works with organizations and individuals to raise awareness of gambling and many of the risks associated with it. I hope you enjoy. Warren, my friend, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me tonight on the Strength of Mind podcast. Thanks for having me, Gav. So let's just kick off with the big question here. What do you think gambling is? Is gambling good or is gambling bad? It's uh
1: it's a complicated one. It's I'd say it's more nuanced than that. It's not as easy to say that gambling is good or gambling is bad. I mean, you could think about other risk-taking behaviors, alcohol and drugs, and ask that same question. And it's so difficult to give such a definitive definite answer the the issues related to gambling are that it's it's an emerging issue that is growing and affecting more and more people not just those that are directly involved it's causing harm to those indirectly affected others families friends communities i think when when it comes to when it comes to gambling we know that the majority of people that do Gamble, do it in a safe way, and and that's important to emphasize that they do it in a way that doesn't lead to harm. But for some, they gamble too much, they lose control, and that's sometimes decisions that they make. It's sometimes because of the addictive properties of the games themselves, and the harm that can cause is obviously bad, and that can cause devastating harm. Sometimes tragic, life-threatening harm with with suicide or mental health, and can cause devastating harm to communities, to families. So. It can be good, it can be bad, can be fun, but there's it's not as not as easy to say it's good or bad.
0: Because mm. my understanding from, say, adverts or chatting to friends or, you know, j- just from what I've been exposed to is that I, may- I maybe don't know that it's been such a big a deal as what you've described. And obviously the adverts are telling us that you've got such a high chance of winning. I mean, for someone who doesn't really gamble like me, what are my chances if I am going to be gambling sort of week in and week out? Have I got a high chance of winning? It's it's interesting. I do a
1: lot of work with
0: children and young people
1: and the chances of winning is something that comes up quite a lot. And one thing that we've seen change over time is that children and young people have or believe that they're going to win more these days and a lot of that might be down to the advertising the marketing even factoring in things like video games I mean if to break it down simply is that the gambling industry makes a hell of a lot of money and they make around 14 15 billion pounds a year um, based on profit across the UK and the UK has the largest online gambling market in the entire world globally and that's not by chance. They don't just uh like by chance win that much money because it's luck or anything like that. And um, the odds are in favour of the gambling firms and the games that they put out, whether they be casino games, even sports betting, they they manipulate the odds so that whatever really happens over time, they make profit and they make money from that. And they they profit on players' losses. And um, People may win early on, they may beat the odds, but over time, because of sort of the the averages and everything like that and the the casino and the gambling firms will always win and the players like yourself gav would will lose so if you're using kind of expendable income and you're doing it for a bit of fun then then sure um, but it's when people start losing control and spending money that they can't afford to lose or that they should be prioritizing for for more important things for bills or for for food or anything like that
0: mm that makes a lot of sense So in terms of like chasing that hit they're like well i'll just put one more bet on and then i'll i'll make my money back or i'll get my big win and actually as soon as people are chasing that and they're using money that they don't have it can then become really detrimental and i get i get that point that makes a lot of sense so do you think people are sort of predispositioned to become addicted or gamble out of control In terms of what i think I, I try my best to
1: be as evidence-based as possible um what a lot of the research shows is that the, there's one personality trait that is related to the predisposition of uh, of gambling disorder uh, and that would be impulsivity a lot of people hear the rhetoric around an addictive personality and they they say, oh, I've got an addictive personality or they've got an addictive personality and that makes me more predisposed to addictive behaviours or anything like that. Whereas an addictive personality is is very much just a combination of various different personality traits. But Mm. impulsivity is, is one personality trait that comes up time and time again for someone that is more predisposed to um, not just gambling addiction, but other impulsive behaviours, things like online shopping and um, even things like um, porn or porn addiction as well. These are all risky behaviours that can be um, kind of aligned or, or related to those with, with more um, impulsivity as well. Um, but it's not just an individual's kind of personality traits that predispose um, addiction. There's also, there's also elements within games that are particularly addictive and can be harmful as well.
0: Yeah. And I mean, talk to me a little bit about how gambling's evolved, because I mean, I imagine that when both you and I were young and we'd go to the football, it was a case of going into the bookies. And it was even like a pen and paper that we used to get. You see parents or adults get and they would would do that and then have to go back to the shop. But it it has evolved, as has technology and and the money that's been pumped into and the accessibility for not only adults, but young people, as you touched on before. So tell me a little bit about how how it's evolved and, and what the dangers of that is.
1: Yeah, it's 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 incredibly interesting looking at how it has changed, especially in the last 20 or 30 years. The. I mean, don't get me wrong, before, I mean, prior to the Internet, people still gambled and people still developed gambling addictions, so it's not entirely down to the harm, down to emerging technologies. But what we've seen is is just this boom in, in online gambling and as well as the marketing around that. Uh, and like you said, what that does is increases accessibility. You imagine these these kind of addictive games. Um, and if someone's trying to cut down, but they can just access it from an app on their phone. And these apps just feed into people's lives. And um, everyone spends everyone communicates online on these apps, everyone um just kind of plays games on those and gambling apps are just kind of built into people's lives that way. And it's incredibly difficult to have conversations about sports and football these days with a group of a group, a group of anyone without kind of using language that's related to gambling these days and and it's just uh, it's just really fed into modern culture and it's just been normalized in that sense just gambling in uh, in that way I think some of the biggest changes as you're sort of talking about that that change and, and how it's how it's progressed in in 2005 they they changed the gambling law and they brought in the, the, the gambling act of 2005 and one of the things that, that did was allow gambling advertising and we saw from then on gambling adverts on tv online everywhere just just increase um, incredibly now i mean the majority of football teams in england both the two biggest teams in scotland uh, although i hate to say it um, range and celtic are are both um, both sponsored by gambling firms Whereas that all used to be alcohol. Everyone used to be sponsored by alcohol, but now you can't do that. It's all been taken over by by gambling. And people say, oh, what if? But if we think about it's not just everyone in the whole population that we're looking at. It's sometimes those that are the most vulnerable and protecting vulnerable groups, protecting children and young people that their brains are still developing up until they're 25. And, And how are they going to be able to make informed decisions when they're being Bombarded with advertising on their favourite football teams' tops, on online, on social media, on the YouTube videos that they're watching, on the TikTok videos that they're watching, um, on their, their their Twitch streamers, and they're all telling them all these this gambling stuff. They're seeing people share winning coupons on social media, and and kind of who's protecting these children, young people, from thinking, oh wow, everyone else is gambling, everyone seems to be winning. I'm going to get involved myself, and the kind of the protection, the prevention of harm needs to at some point be in there and prioritised just like we do with things like alcohol, substance use and tobacco.
0: I agree wholeheartedly and I think it's a really, really valid point that you made about social media specifically because we know that for young people and even for some adults that we're not evolved our brains haven't evolved enough to be able to handle the dopamine hit that we get from a new notification and from looking at someone else's highlight reel and not beginning to feel rubbish about ourselves so actually for young people growing up and seeing successful gambling stories which which as you know and even I know who doesn't really gamble that these are so few and far between that um, if a young person is subjected to this lifestyle that gambling will be able to Give you this money and give you a lifestyle that, that you don't have and that infused with social media and, and all those apps that you've spoken about could be quite overwhelming and particularly for those who are classed with those vulnerable groups i think that that's a really valid point so what do we do then i mean in, in terms of the legislation for alcohol that's obviously come into place where they are not sponsoring teams do you think that gambling will reach that point or are we close to it at the moment gambling
1: isn't devolved like um like alcohol uh, regulation is um but the one of the the main things is the way that we treat it and in society and we treat alcohol we treat substance use and tobacco as health issues as public health issues yet gambling although it affects people's health we don't treat it like that we don't treat it as a public health issue so things like focusing on the advertising and, and protecting vulnerable groups and um, in, in terms of that restricting that so that it doesn't lead to to harm and um, would be a public health policy that we could use I think based on the the gambling act review that's that's coming out and um, uh, then sometime this year hopefully I think one thing that will happen will be a restriction on um, on football sponsorship and um, and and that that would be probably an easy win for, um, for the government, but it's a lot bigger than that. In terms of the even the support of people that have already experienced harm, uh, both the gamblers and their families, um, there needs to be kind of better access to treatment and more signposting, more awareness uh, of that. And then there needs to be more education and prevention. If you mm-hmm. think back to, Gav, when, when we were at school and how much in PSE we learned about we learned about alcohol and tobacco and we learned about substances or, or drugs. And it was often a very kind of uh, abstinent approach saying don't do this or you will die or anything like that. But we rarely heard about things like gambling. And in all honesty, my entire gambling education was at university when I was at the football team and we'd kind of meet the bookies before a game we'd all be putting on and there was that kind of peer approval element being like oh I I want to be part of the group so I might as well put a bet on just to be kind of welcomed into that group and that was my gambling education and Mm. for something that can can be so addictive it's that's not okay especially and I was able to to kind of not pick the make the wrong decisions and uh, and develop an addiction but I can't say the same for everybody else and uh, and that's why we really need an earlier intervention to be able to protect um people from uh, the harms that could happen to them.
0: Yeah yeah it's, it's great great point again that you said about that and we have began to embed that within our curriculum but I don't know how consistent that is across Scotland um, and, and I think that it's certainly a new thing because it didn't exist as you said when we were in school and I was thinking about a first year class that I was actually teaching one of the lessons that uh, you had sent across to me um and their their insight is is amazing uh, in terms of understanding risk um understanding impulsivity Mm -hmm. delayed gratification you know we were discussing some of the big topics around that but i don't know how long that's been going on for and we don't know how many are are slipping through the net so i think that making that more ingrained within our curriculum um, and and normalized to talk about because you've got some varying ends of the spectrum, some know quite a lot about gambling um, maybe because of parents or the home environment that they're in, but others have got no idea and it could be quite easy to slip into that trap. And if someone yeah. is feeling that they are that it's spiraling or that, that, you know, that they are involved in gambling and they're struggling, what would you suggest that, that, that they can do to help themselves? There's,
1: there's a variety of, of different support that is available. I I would say speak to speak to your loved ones first of all, and um, speak to those that you trust, and uh, and open up and discuss it. At the moment, those experience harm because nobody discusses kind of losing um, or excessive losses. Even talking about money um, is is often kind of uh, uh, just people don't really speak about it and. So just opening up and discussing that it's something that you're struggling with is is a, is a first step. There is um, support available. There's the National Gambling Helpline, which is a free to phone, and they support anyone from any age that experienced harm if it's a result of their own gambling or someone else's. And um, so if it's a family member, they can call the National Gambling Helpline as well. Uh, and they often signpost to... The the necessary support, whether it be citizen's advice to give support related to debt and whether it be treatments and CBT is often seen as a really good um, therapy for those that are experiencing harm to help with uh, with the the thought processes around kind of the the compulsions to gamble um, and kind of smart recovery similar is used in, in substance use as well. Um, there are also groups similar to Alcohols Anonymous um, that people have heard of. So there's Gamblers Anonymous that people can attend um, and, and share their lived experience with, with other group members that have experienced similar harm and follow the, the kind of well-known 12-stop model, um, 12-stop model. Yeah. Um, so those are those are some. There's an organization in Paisley called the RCA Trust that are fantastic. They're a small treatment and prevention organization that cover the whole of Scotland. There's a, a young person service um, called, from GamCare, and um, it's a treatment organization that people under 18 can phone and, and find out more information about, as well about kind of gaming and monetization and spending money within video games. There really is plenty of support that is available, but a lot of it is just the awareness um, of those supports and, uh, and sort of just speaking about it so people know that they can call someone, reducing that stigma so they feel comfortable enough to actually do something about um, their, their gambling.
0: You mentioned stigma and I think that that's a big word do, do you think that, that that is a real thing for those who are struggling with gambling yeah it's it's interesting with gambling the the
1: gambling behavior just gambling in general is has become less stigmatized and more normalized um, and or even glamorized people just gambling and seeing it as part of normal culture so that and that perhaps used to be more stigmatized, people gambling and the discrimination and this of you'd you'd look at a stereotype of perhaps like an old man in a bookies shouting at the TV screen. And now that 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 um, stereotype and that kind of stigma in, in, a, in a sense has reduced. And gambling is now modern culture and popular culture. And um, you see the way it's advertised and the way it's discussed. But now what's been stigmatized is those that are struggling with it. So we've, we've had this normalization of gambling and more and more people are gambling. Over half the population gamble at least once once a month, but people that are struggling, we don't hear about that and we don't see them. And if someone's in such a minority or someone that's struggling and all they're seeing is people winning, then that then that stigma and that discrimination is attached. There's also specific discrimination related to um, those that already experience health inequalities. So if somebody um, so there's issues related to gambling and women, um, and there's specific stigma attached to that because often people see gambling as a very, a very male-orientated activity. Um, there's also stigma attached to cultures, um, things like uh, religious cultures. In terms of um, Muslim cultures, for example, is they don't see gambling as something that they can, they can do. So if somebody is gambling and struggling with gambling, then they might not be able to seek the support they need, and, and that might be stigmatized within their culture as well. So there's not just gambling harm as a whole that's stigmatized, it's also little pockets of, of minorities that perhaps already experienced discrimination in society and this is just a further health inequality that, that they are experiencing.
0: Well, I hadn't thought of it like that and I think that, that must be a difficult setting for some people to find themselves in. I was going to ask a little bit about the socioeconomic of that because when I drive through areas of deprivation within Edinburgh, there's a far higher proportion of bookies that I'll see um, or a number of people that if I speak to are maybe more open about gambling from your experience or understanding do you think that exists is it more a lower class thing to do or a working class thing to do or does it exist in a middle to upper class maybe just on a different level Uh, what's what's your understanding of that
1: you you wouldn't be the first person to realize that the gambling industry or gambling firms target areas of deprivation for for gambling and we know that those um, from lowest socioeconomic backgrounds do tend to gamble more frequently. It may be less amounts, but more frequently adds up, and it's often money that they can't afford in that sense. The, there's a, a significant proportion of gambling uh, venues that are or in uh, land-based venues that are in the areas of deprivation, if you look at that across Scotland and across the UK. We actually, uh, part of the project that we do is um, is we we have a, a pot of funding available to groups of young people, and and they can use that funding to do any gambling harm prevention initiative that they think would be worthwhile to do. And we give them some support, but it really it's kind of just designed. The idea is designed and thought of by young people. And there was a, a group of young people from a youth club in Govan uh, over in the west, and and what they did was they uh, Govan's quite a, a deprived area, and they went around Govan, this group of, I think they were between the ages of 12 and 25, um, and they walked around Govan and they counted the number of bars um, or pubs and bookies, because um, they were looking at the differences between sort of, alcohol establishments and, um, and bookmakers. And then so they counted up those, and then they went to Bears Den, which is a more affluent place that's quite nearby. And they counted the similar and um, the, the bookmakers and they counted the, the pubs in Bears Den. And what they found was that although they were similar um sizes and populations, that the number of bookies um, in um in Govan was was far higher. And they kind of they they summarized that that the gambling industry are clearly targeting areas of deprivation um, and and it's down to the the desperation almost of the people there wanting to to get out of the situation to win big and a lot of the marketing is related to that as well. Even things like the lottery, um, it's often people uh, from, well, less affluent areas that are playing that Um, and although they do give some money to to charity, um, it's, it's often people that may require that charity that are paying for the tickets in the first place and, and losing the money. So it's it's not quite as easy uh, to say that it's a great thing. But it's, it's certainly people that's from less affluent areas or from more areas of deprivation that, that tend to gamble more and experience more harm when they do gamble.
0: That actually makes me feel quite angry when I think of it like that, Where they are, when you mentioned about the desperation that they're sort of targeting these people from areas who can't afford it and they're using money that they don't have. I find that that puts up, paints a much more sinister picture of these massive, you know, multi-million and billion pound organisations who are targeting our most vulnerable in society. And that then makes me have a different look at this whole idea of what gambling is and who's behind it and what their motivation actually is. Like, what is their values and ethos if that's genuinely the people that, that they're trying to target? I think that really does um, does upset me. For someone who's worked in a school where it's probably one of the most deprived areas within Scotland, and I was going around that Many town centre, and it was yeah, there the, there was two or three bookies, and you're talking Pound Savers and other shops, and these are the people that need support the most, and the companies are trying to promote this idea that if they put their money into our system, into the bet three six fives or whatever that there is there, that they're going to you know suddenly get themselves out of poverty, and in fact, it's actually the opposite.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think the the, retor- the rhetoric around gambling and, and the gambling marketing about kind of it being uh, risk-free bets, things like that, free spins. And they're just they're just traps for people that want to get in. And once people have accounts and they're spending money, it can be often difficult to withdraw money. If people are putting in money to get free bets, often they don't read the small print and it's not quite as clear cut as just free money or free bets. And, but this, they, they prey upon people's um, kind of, neglect of reading, things like that, and and misunderstanding and desperation, like you said, um, to to gamble. And they know it's kind of an easy win and an easy way to make money. I mentioned at the start about the the gambling industry across the UK making about 14 to 15 billion pounds a year in profit. Um, The one scary stat for me is that although it's only a small percentage of gamblers that do develop an addiction, over over half it's around 60 percent of the profit in the industry comes from less than five percent of gamblers Um, and which is incredible and that's that's the losses of those less than five percent and people spending way more money than they than they can afford to lose um, and a lot of the time that'll be people um, in areas of deprivation with an addiction that are racking up massive debts maybe going to um, to loan sharks or stealing going to criminality uh, and the, the kind of list of possible harms uh, go
0: on. Mm those figures are startling, actually really alarming to know that some people have spiraled into that. But what was encouraging, though, was midway through, you were able to talk about some of the supports that are in place. And there are organisations and there are people there that do genuinely want to help. And, and there, there is a way out of it. You know, have you heard of any, just as we wrap up, you know, have you heard of any success stories or um, instances where people have Found themselves in that out of control gambling, maybe involved in in debt and struggling to keep their head above water, and have they managed to get out the other side?
1: Yeah, part of my part of my work is that I I network with the the lived experience community, a community of people that have experienced lived have lived experience of gambling harm, and a lot of them have come out the other side, and they've got to be very cautious, and they share their experience in a way with others to to hopefully avoid. Or prevent harm from occurring to other people, whether they be other young people or or other adults as well, and just just to try and spread awareness in the population. And um, there's there's someone in in Scotland um, called uh, called Darren who runs a, a page actually on on Twitter and on Instagram. That's um, it's rule it out, um, and I, I'm sure Gav will I'll share a link um, to this as well. But Please. they... They um, we'll, we'll rule it out he's got an Instagram page and he, he just chats through his own experience he answers questions and it's he, we, we've we worked with him he's given us some feedback on our, on our resources on our activities um, just so that we don't uh, any, have anything that's particularly triggering to anyone that may be experiencing harm and uh, he's using his experience to, to improve outcomes for other people and he's not the only one there's loads of people that are doing work across Scotland and across the UK running organisations some huge organisations um, to try and raise awareness and prevent harm uh, and prevent the harm that happened to them happening to others.
0: Mm, that that's really encouraging to know that there's supports out there and yes for any listeners uh, just now who do want to get that link i'll put that in the description of the podcast warren i want to thank you for your time that has really enlightened me actually i feel i have a much deeper understanding of what gambling is and that in moderation it can be fine but there is a sinister there, there is certainly an, an underbelly to it which we have to be um, very much aware of so that that was really interesting to hear your your thoughts and, and views tonight
1: thanks very much gab it's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to the Strength of Mind podcast. If you or anyone you know of has been affected by gambling or any of the issues raised in today's episode, then check out some of the links in the bio where there is support available. Take care. Bye for now.